0: Welcome back
1: to the Auburn Undercover Podcast here on the 24 7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King from AuburnUndercover.com. National Signing Day is coming up on Wednesday, the second half. Most people sign early, but with Brian Harson's new staff, Gus Melzon being pushed out, Brian Harson being brought in, he has a lot of work. That he needs to do he and his staff had to do to sort of salvage this class which I think at its lowest point was ranked number 49 in the 24-7 sports composite but fear not because they're going to sign a lot of people on Wednesday and they got some commitments before uh Wednesday we're recording this on Monday night going to post it on Tuesday morning you're probably listening to this on Tuesday morning they got three commitments in the span of 24 hours one of them was for the 2022 class And two of them were for this immediate class 2021. So we're going to get into that and preview National Signing Day a little bit with Jason Caldwell, one of our two recruiting guys for AuburnUndercover.com inside the Auburn Tigers. So we're going to get right to that conversation, conversation with Jason. And here we go. And now we've got Jason Caldwell here on the podcast to talk a little bit of Auburn recruiting over the past 24 hours. Auburn's gotten three commits. I don't know how long it was where they had no commits. I feel like it was a really long time. Um, the momentum just seemed like it was kind of dying down, or at least that's what fans wanted to say. But now things are really picking up and uh, and people are really excited about the the guys that Brian Harson's new staff is bringing on board. Three different commitments. One is for the 2022 class, um, Holden, is it Gurney or Jason? Uh, Gerner, yeah. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll all have a good time saying that. Um, yeah. The 2022 quarterback, so, you know, that's a little bit a ways in the future, but they get two pretty important positions here right now in the 2021 class. Uh, Colby Smith, the offensive tackle, and Joko Willis, who's the number two uh, Juco linebacker commit. We'll start with uh, with Colby Smith, I guess, Jason, just because, I mean, what is it? it's been four years now since they signed three either three or four years since they've signed an offensive tackle prospect out of high school. Um, first of all, I mean, how does that happen? I mean, how in the world did that, I mean, I know that was one of the biggest gripes with Gus Malzahn and his staff, but um, I have no idea how, how you let that happen. And then second of all, I mean, what, what kind of player, I know you, you wrote the commitment analysis piece for all these guys. So what kind of player are they getting in, in, in Colby Smith and uh, what kind of guy on, on the offensive line do you think he can be molded into in a few years?
0: Yeah, you know, obviously you look at it and it's one of the things and one of the reasons why you see Auburn's offensive line be what it was this past season where, in essence, you had a center and four guards on the field. Uh, you know, Alex Jackson's a guy that wound up playing okay at, at, at tackle, um, but he's probably more suited to be a guard. Obviously, you know, we've seen and heard about Rodarius Ham at guard, but, you know, he had to play tackle and, and, and once again, he was okay, uh, but there wasn't a true tackle other than Austin Trotts on the guys had three knee injuries. And so um, so that's how you get in that position. Um, how it happens, no excuse. Uh, there's no excuse for that to happen, um, you know, in, in, in that it was a combination of not getting in on guys early enough um, because offensive tackles are like quarterbacks now. If you're not in on that guy and really – going hard by the time that guy's the end of his, you know, sophomore season, basically, then you're behind the eight ball. And if not, then you have to find some guys that are project-type offensive tackles, big tight ends, guys that you can move, and they didn't do that. And and so uh, you're left with with none of those guys on the roster, which is what we found. But you look at him, I think Colby Smith's a guy that has a chance to be a future left tackle um, with his size. He's an athletic guy that plays some defense. So I think he can do some things there. But, you know, as I mentioned uh, in in one of the stories, you know, people asked me a question about him. I said, and my my thought process is if I'm signing a tackle, I'm signing a tackle that I think is a left tackle. Then, if he can't play there, you can always play the right side. If I'm signing a guy and I think he's a right tackle, it probably means he's a guard. So I think Colby Smith is a guy that has the potential to be a left tackle uh, with his length and athleticism.
1: Certainly big pickup for Will Friend, the new offensive line coach. I guess that's the – First guy he himself has gotten. Obviously, he joins Garner Langlo now, who's the offensive guard in this 2021 class. Um, now moving on to the JUCO prospect, uh, Joko Willis, who is the number two inside linebacker out of junior college. Um, former teammates, I believe, with Kobe Hudson.
0: Correct. Right.
1: In high school.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. right. And and actually was a wide receiver. Uh, oh, Kobe, really? you know, Kobe played some quarterback. Joko was a guy that played linebacker more, and and as a senior, played wide receiver. So when I saw them play a couple of times, I saw him as a wide receiver probably more than a linebacker, which, you know, in in my analysis, I kind of mentioned that it's kind of a very similar path that Carlos Dansby had. Carlos Dansby was a defensive guy that played wide receiver, did some things. But you look at it, and Joko Willis has – he's gotten much bigger over the past couple of years. This is a guy that graduated in 2019, uh, red-shirted, then, you know, Junior College didn't play this year, and so he's missed a couple of seasons. So this is an older guy, but but still potentially could have four years of, of eligibility remaining. 6'3", 215, could probably play at 230, 235 by the time he's done, which is what Carlos Dansby did. And, you know, he's got those long arms, athletic build, um, and you start thinking about the potential of, of what this defense could look like if they do decide to run more of a 3-4 scheme. You're going to need to have some of those guys they can eat up space outside. They can get downhill in a hurry, and he's one of those guys.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say, it'll be interesting to see how guys like this, because now you're recruiting for Derek Mason's style of defense versus a 4-2-5, what Kevin Steele had for so long. Um, you're adding a guy now to, I mean, probably the deepest, maybe I guess the deepest position group, certainly on the defense, maybe on the entire roster in the linebacking core, really – um, an exciting group that's, that's really going to lead them going into the future. Um, and then you also got the 2022 commit, Holden Gurnier. I, I'm just going to call him Holden. Um, out of Savannah, Georgia, he's a guy who was a huge Georgia fan growing up. He held the Georgia offer, um, but my, it was the Mike Bobo and, and Brian Harson. It was the allure of having two guys who are great quarterback whisperers um, that sort of allowed him to feel comfortable about making this pick. Uh, Jason, you want a quarterback in every class. Um, so now you've got your guy in 2022. Is he a guy that you think is maybe a little bit better than the three stars indicate and a guy that could maybe move up over time? And, and how do you see him sort of fitting into this offense long term?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he's a guy that could potentially be a four star prospect guy. He's not a guy that's a dual threat. Normally, those are the guys that, that wind up being a five star quarterback. Uh, he's not one of those guys. Um, you know, people ask me a, a comparison for him and. You know, I started thinking about guys. I started thinking about, you know, who reminded me of. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys, but, um, you know, I, I think about, you know, I, I'm telling you, I just went blank, but, you know, the Rams quarterback that just got traded to, to the Lions. Um, yeah, Goff. Yeah, that's that's who reminds me of, kind of a, a longer guy, um, has long arms for a quarterback, yep. very good pocket presence, not a guy that's going to run for – thousand yards but a guy that's athletic enough to move around in the pocket do some things but what impresses you about him is his his footwork in the pocket the things he does I think he'd be a good fit for what they want to do and now you've got you got a lot of different types of quarterbacks you got Bo Nix who's kind of a combination of everything he's really athletic he can throw it he can do all these things Chell Garnett's probably more of a runner that's still developing you know, Demetrius Davis is a guy that's a a winner, a guy that does everything, a, a runner that can throw and do some things, and then you get a kind of a true pocket quarterback as well. Mike Boho has coached all those different types of guys in his career, and so now you go, okay, see which one's best, and you can build build the offense around their strengths. And so you're going to have some different type of guys to look at.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting when spring practice starts to roll around. I mean, I don't think Demetrius Davis is going to. We, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to win that job. Obviously, Bo Nix has been the guy. But I will think he will. that will be some good, uh, healthy competition for you to be kind of really pushed for that number two quarterback spot because I do think he's probably going to be one of the better backup quarterbacks in the SEC this season. Um, Jason, on Wednesday, we're having the national signing day. Auburn's already moved up 10 spots from 48 to 38 in the 2021 class because of um, Willis and Colby Smith. Um, just kind of what are your expectations? I know it's kind of hard to tell with this new staff what direction they're going to go. But I, I guess you've still got close to, you know, give or take a few double digit slots to fill on this roster in terms of scholarships. Um, what are you kind of expecting out of national signing day? And how do you think this, this new staff is going to be able to close out this class?
0: Yeah. You know, obviously uh, you know, when you start looking at it, there's still a lot of question marks when you look at, um, you know, the possibilities for this class, you look at Jarquez Hunter, uh, you know, running back from Mississippi, who, You It looks like right now he may not announce until Friday, so you may have to wait a little while on him. But you look at it, to me, two defensive backs are guys to really watch. Caden Bridges, kid from McGee, Mississippi. I really love his film. Uh, Watching him, he's a guy that can get downhill in a hurry. Um, And I think a very, very athletic DB. So you you look at him and then Juwan Gasson, the kid that I saw in Alabama-Mississippi All-Star practices a couple of times. Um, He is a guy that that four-star prospect now, he would be, I believe right now, you know, the way things stand, he could be Auburn's highest rated commitment on signing day, you know, the newest edition wise. And so you look at him and talk to a couple of guy, our guys in the network that, that really love him. And obviously when you get bumped up to a four star this late, you're a guy that's really impressed. Um, but he's a guy that he probably had seven or eight touchdowns that were non offensive touchdowns this past year for the Wolverines. So he's a guy that can make plays with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, and if Auburn has as much luck with, you know, uh, if a late addition, if they do get Jawan Gaston, they have as much a fortune with him as they did with the last guy uh, that was late out of Montgomery, like a guy like Daniel Thomas, then uh, that'd be a pretty good company to keep for Jawan Gaston. So to me, those are some guys I think that, you know, probably pay attention to um, actually on signing day. You know, Dylan Brooks, still kind of waiting, waiting to see what Tennessee does if they release him. You know When and if that happens, I think we all expect that Dylan Brooks is a guy that, that will wind up at Auburn. The question is, is when when is that going to take place?
1: Yeah, Dylan Brooks, I mean, he's come out. He's, he's tired of it. He's straight up saying it at this point um, that he wants out of that national letter of intent for Tennessee. Yeah, Jawan Gasson, I think the safety spot there, um, getting that depth for Auburn in the future is going to be pretty important because you got Chris Thompson, you got Amari Harvey, I think getting that third guy, that you feel good about to kind of back up the safeties moving forward. Um, I think it'll be really good with Jamie and Sherwood on the way out. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, everybody, be sure to read Jason's stuff on Wednesday. He and Keith are going to be uh, very busy men come Wednesday. So be sure to keep it locked at auburnundercover.com and inside the Auburn Tigers for all their stuff. We'll be right back on the podcast. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus.
0: I'm in a period of emotional appeal.
1: I tell all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you
0: going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia.
1: Let's do it. Goes a long way. (laughs) Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox.
0: Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
1: Little Wing, Brady PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. So Bruce Pearl's Auburn basketball team continues to be interesting this season, which is really good in a season where you are you banned yourself from postseason, you know you're not going to postseason play. Um, this team continues to be a fun team to watch, and, and they're kind of compelling as the year goes on. Obviously, the Sharif Cooper stuff when he was cleared, that made things a little bit more interesting to kind of watch the team and see what was happening. But um, Auburn played Baylor on Saturday, and although it doesn't really count toward SEC or anything like that, and, and especially this year where Auburn's not worrying about tournament resume it doesn't necessarily do anything but the SEC Big 12 challenge happened nonetheless and Auburn played the best team in the Big 12 in Baylor on the road they lost by 12 84 to 72 it was a game that was close in the first half I believe Auburn trailed by five at the break and that was even after look Auburn had 10 turnovers in the first half Um, nobody aside from Devin Cambridge who had eight points in the first half nobody was playing particularly well like you know you've got to have some people play really well to beat Baylor beat the number two team in the country um they were just kind of playing good defense Baylor you could tell was kind of antsy about going in the paint because Auburn blocked 14 shots earlier in the week against Missouri and Baylor definitely knew that and so they were a little scared to go in there you could tell they were kind of changing up their shots whenever they would get near the rim so Auburn was hanging right there I was watching the game it was like okay man this this is pretty impressive that Auburn's able to do this. I mean, it was a true road environment. We're talking, you know, it was a panda the crowd is a good bit of fans. It's, it seemed like a decent amount of fans were there. Um, and it was, you know, good home crowd advantage. They got, they got pretty loud. There was momentum when that Baylor was able to do good stuff. But still Auburn was hanging right there. And then the wheels kind of fell off pretty quickly um, in the second half. And that's going to happen. Look, when Bruce Pearl talked about this Baylor team he I believe his his time that he said was four years or something like that he couldn't remember a better team that he had coached against he said I mean it's not surprising Baylor coming into the game was top three in the country in both offensive rating and defensive rating according to Ken Pom and um, that's not something you find every day or even every year you're not going to find a team like that so I know that they're the number two team in the country but Really, that's just because Gonzaga at number one has lost, and you're not gonna put them in front of them for no reason unless they, you know, Gonzaga starts to really fall off. So this is an impressive, impressive Baylor team. Um, and they got on a run. Bruce Pearl had to call timeout. I'm not sure if I've ever seen Bruce Pearl had to have to call two timeouts in the in the span that he did. I believe there was only like a two minute break, and then he called another timeout because Baylor went on another run. And it was just I mean, his his team cut down on turnovers. They only had three turnovers in the second half. Um, again, nobody playing particularly badly. I, there, there really wasn't anything that you were like, wow, this is really awful, um, the way the team is playing, the way Auburn's playing this certain way. Really wasn't that. I mean, Baylor is older than the Chicago Bulls. Um, again, like Bruce Pearl said, this is a roster and a team that is as good or better than any he has ever coached against. He would not be surprised if they made the national championship game. When you look at all the advanced metrics – Talk about how good and how efficient the team is. Baylor is really, really good. Getting that out of the way because you, know, you go on the road and you learn and look. Bruce Pearl wants his team to get experience against these really high-powered teams. Uh, Jalen Williams talked to us after the game and said, you know, he's excited and he's glad that Bruce Pearl schedules these kind of teams every year. Obviously, I'm not sure how you know what kind of poll you get to have deciding your SEC Big 12 Challenge team, but he definitely decided to schedule Gonzaga. Um, and they like to do this every year. They like to play strong out-of-conference opponents because when you get in a setting like the NCAA tournament, then you're not going to be playing teams from the SEC most of the time. So, And that's shown over the past few years how important that's been for Auburn. I mean, I believe it was over the past three years heading into this season, Auburn had the best non-conference record in the SEC. Um, and obviously your NCAA tournament wins will factor into that when Auburn went, you know, what was it, 4-0, whatever, how many you had to win to get to the final four, like they did. Obviously that's going to factor in a little bit, but even besides that, they've played great against the non-conference. So um, they came back in the last few minutes and started to make some plays. Baylor still had its starters in, but Auburn was able to kind of cut the lead down and, and make it. So they only lost by 12. It wasn't really a, a blowout. And they covered great teams to cover. So, but now you're moving on to the second half of SEC play where you played nine games already. And now you're moving into the, the second part, the second half of nine more games. And, this stretch coming up for Auburn is very manageable because when you look at this last part of the schedule, it's really broken down into these three games coming up right now. And then the six after that, because these three games, Auburn is going to be favored in all three of these. They have a little two game homestand right now, coming back to Auburn arena for two games, which is good for them. They play Georgia on Tuesday night, I'm recording this on Monday night. So probably tonight, as you're listening to it, they play Georgia at home and then they play Ole Miss at home on Saturday those are both teams that you've played already this season. You beat Georgia on the road. You handled them pretty well, actually. 95 to 77 um, was the score of that game. They pretty much faced no resistance in that one. I mean, they—they they Sharif Cooper had a phenomenal game. And then you did lose to Ole Miss on the road, but you, you didn't have a point guard back then if you're Auburn. Um, that was, I mean, kind of the dark the dark games where they were just running an offense through Allen Flanagan. No Justin Powell, you know. Or Powell might have played that game. I don't know. Either way, you didn't have Sharif Cooper. And so you feel more confident now and Ole Miss has lost a few games since then. You feel more confident now coming back home that you're going to have the ability to win this game. And then on Tuesday, next Tuesday, you play at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt only has one win in the conference, which was actually over the weekend against South Carolina. Um, And other than Scottie Pippen Jr., their point guard, who if Sharif Cooper's not the best point guard in the SEC, then it's Scottie Pippen Jr. Um, Other than him, there's nothing really going super well for Vanderbilt. And so, you get you use one of your road games against the worst team in the conference and that's great Uh, you've got these three games right here and if they win all three of these games which granted you know winning three straight games in the sec is difficult to do no matter who you play but auburn is playing some kind of lower tier teams coming up here if they win these games look they've already won four out of five of their last sec games Um, you could win seven out of eight if you win these three games. And then let's say even, let's say you drop one. I mean, even six out of eight is really, really impressive um, when you consider the 0-4 start that they had. And so all of Auburn's goals for the end of the season, obviously, they're not all still there. You obviously are not going to the postseason. And Auburn's goal this year, the only championship they could play for was an SEC regular season title. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's in, in play still. I mean, Alabama's nine and O and look, here's the good thing. You know, you've got those first three games, the last six games you've got, you've got to play Mississippi state and you've got to play at Kentucky. Um, the only team in those last six games that is not ranked higher than you and Ken Palm right now is Mississippi state. And that's a home game. So you, you, you feel like you probably need to win that game. And then they close out the last four games of the season against the best four, the top four seeds in the SEC, um, they play Florida, they play LSU, they play Tennessee, and they play Alabama, Auburn does, to close out the season. And so that's a positive when you're talking about wanting to have a miracle finish and win the conference somehow, you're going to need a pretty decently sized meltdown from Alabama because they're nine and zero right now and are cruising toward the conference title, as long as they don't completely crash and burn. Um, and then everybody else is higher than you talking about those last six teams other than Mississippi state, everyone else is ranked higher than you. So You've at least got the opportunity to, hey, you know, we're lower and we're going to, you know, it's it's better than just feeding on the bottom dwellers and, you know, just racking up your wins against teams that it's really not going to help you. Instead, you can play these teams that are ahead of you and try to knock them down a few notches while you yourself are moving up the standings. It's really a long shot, but it is something where it's probably good for Auburn's morale and going out there every single game and thinking about the SEC standings the fact that they're in it right now, you know, they're four and five in the conference, you know, 0-4 start, they've won four out of their last five, you feel like you've got an opportunity here, especially if you win these games, Now, what are you going to be, seven and five at that point, all of a sudden, you've won yourself seven games in the SEC, and I think people looking at this roster before the season started, um, even when they thought they were going to have Shreve Cooper the whole season, but now, I mean, looking at the reality of it, you didn't have Shreve Cooper um, you didn't have Justin Powell you, you still haven't had him for seven straight games because of his concussion and look if you look at Auburn's individual statistics, Justin Powell in just about every statistic including rebounding um, is up there in the top three you talk about scoring you talk about obviously he's the best three-point shooter on the team rebounding assists um, steals uh, overall player efficiency you just look and and you know we've kind of forgotten because I mean I have, you, know, you haven't forgotten but you can kind of overtaken by the Sharif Cooper hype and how well Auburn's playing with him. Granted, you know, they're playing very well with Sharif Cooper. Um, but you kind of look back and, and remember how good Justin Powell was. Obviously he wasn't as useful when he had to be relied on as a point guard and he was doing a lot more stuff than he, than he needed to do, especially after Tyrell Jones transferred. And it was like, okay, he's the full-time point guard. When he is able to come back, I don't know if that's going to be this season even, But when he's able to come back, um, putting him in his natural position is going to be really, really good for Auburn. Now, you know, if you're Auburn, you want that to be a Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell backcourt. I get that. But the odds of that happening this season, you know, they're not zero. They're certainly not zero. But they're kind of dwindling by the week because last week it was, okay, this is, you know, Bruce Pearl telling us this, okay, Um, he's still in concussion protocol. We only see him when we do COVID testing, but He is starting to move around a little bit more. Um, He's telling me things are going well. This week, we talked to Bruce Pearl on Monday. as Afternoon, we talked to him as I'm recording this on Monday night. He said Justin Powell was actually able to stop by practice um, and say hey to everybody. Obviously, he himself still not practicing, not out on the court. But he was able to come by and, and say hey and see how things were going. But, I mean, Bruce told us that it's still difficult for him to even focus on his schoolwork. Maybe if there's too much noise, or this is Bruce's words, if there's too much noise or if the lighting is harsh, um, it's still kind of difficult. This is a really – everything Bruce is saying um, and just how long it's taken him to come back from this, this was a really, really serious injury. This was a really serious concussion. This is nothing to mess around with. And, again, as much as Bruce Pearley, look, he's going to treat this season, it's very important, win every game. This is not a throwaway season by any means. And I think any Auburn fans who have invested in this basketball team this season would tell you that, that this is not a throwaway season. Every game is going to matter whether it's for right now or whether it's for the future. But in reality, at the end of the day, you're not playing for an NCAA tournament berth and you're not going to your own conference tournament. So, you know, do you want to rush back Justin Powell, especially because you are playing so well without him right now? Again, that's not a knock on him. It's it's definitely not a knock on him because he was a phenomenal player. He was like Auburn's second or third best player when he was in. He was probably the second best player when uh, behind Alan Flanagan. Whenever Cooper was not there, and so it's not a knock on him. But you're you're gelling so well. You've got so much chemistry with the guys currently in the rotation. So I think the combination of those two things is making Bruce Pearl really be easy about this. Um, this is a serious injury, and. and Bruce is pretty upset about it that, um, that Justin Powell is having to go through this because um, Justin Powell, Bruce Pearl thinks he could have been the player of the year in Kentucky. That's what he was saying today is that, you know, everybody, every little boy in Kentucky who plays basketball, which I feel like in Kentucky most kids play basketball, you grow up wanting to thinking about being the Kentucky, you know, player of the year in high school. And Justin Powell was that caliber of player. I mean, he was the number one player in Kentucky when he signed. So obviously he's that caliber of player, but he had the groin injury his senior year. He was just getting 100% healthy from that groin injury. He still had it a little bit when the season started for Auburn. Uh, he was just getting 100% healthy though. And then he had the concussion against Texas A&M. So you've really got to feel for him, but it just it, it makes me wonder um, if we're going to see him this season because, look, even when he's able to come back to practice. So that's, that's what we're going to you know continually stay updated on is whether he is practicing. And, and I feel like that's something we're going to know immediately. Um, it's going to be a big thing as soon as he's able to do it. You know, we chat with Bruce Pearl twice a week, and he's going to say, Justin Kyle's back at practice. And, I mean, it's a good sign that he's moving around, but the fact that he's still, I mean, having problems doing his schoolwork and focusing because he gets a headache from the light or the sound. I mean, that is just nothing to mess around with. Head injuries are obviously nothing to mess around with. And so even when he is able to come back to practice, Bruce Pearl said, look, you know, let's say he's able to practice one week. I mean, he hasn't played any basketball in over a month. How long is it going to take for us to get him back to game shape? You know, it's not like Sharif Cooper when Sharif Cooper wasn't cleared, but nobody was stopping him from going and dribbling a basketball and shooting around and, and diving into the playbook and stuff like that. He just couldn't practice with the team, but there was nothing stopping him from doing everything else you can do as a basketball player. Right now, Justin Powell is completely restricted from doing all of the necessary things you have to do as a basketball player. And apparently, if he wants to, you know, just study the playbook or study film with the team, um, he might have a bit of an issue with that because of his injury. So really, I think Auburn fans kind of just have to put themselves in the mindset right now that, you know, it, it might not happen this season. It might be that severe of an injury to where even if you he's able to come back, let's say he's able to get back at practice before the season is over, um you know might take him a couple weeks to get back in game shape at practice might take him a couple weeks to feel like he's a good enough player again start to see some of those shots go down again start to, you know practice and condition again to be able to be put back in the rotation so the clock is ticking there's only a month left um february 2nd is obviously tuesday that's when they're going to play their first game and then the last game of the regular season is on March 2nd, so still a lot again for Auburn to to play for this season. You got a couple guys and Cooper and Allen Flanagan who are, you know, probably going to have uh, maybe not for Flanagan. I don't know. It depends on how he closes out the season. But Sharif Cooper is definitely going to have an NBA draft decision to make at the end of the year. So um, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see um, what this Auburn team does. Again, the next three games I think are very very winnable, and then after that you've. <laughs> you've really got a tough stretch. I mean, Mississippi State at home is your easiest game out of the last six because you've got to play at Kentucky and they're kind of getting their act together a little bit. And then your last four games of the season are against the top four SEC seeds. So we're going to have you guys completely covered on Tuesday night when Auburn takes on Georgia inside Auburn arena, we'll have all the stuff you could ever want in terms of coverage from the game. And then Wednesday is national signing day. We've already talked it over a bunch on this podcast, but we're gonna have some sort of recap podcast later in the week as well, talking about Brian Harson's Hall. You know, can Auburn work its way into the top thirty right now? Number thirty-eight in the twenty-four-seven composite rankings. If they can get a few players like a Jawan Gaston, like the four-star safety, like uh, like Jason was talking about, you can get a few players like that. Maybe a couple transfers that you've needed at a couple positions. Um, you can work your way. Maybe the number twenty-six, maybe twenty-five. I mean, if you work your way even close to the top 25, I know that's not the standard Auburn fans are used to, nor is it the standard they said, except you shouldn't have the top the number 25 recruiting class at Auburn, but this is what Brian Harson was left with from Gus Melzon and his staff. This is what he was left to work with, you know, you had a guy like Armani Goodwin, your, your star running back, you had him decommit, you know, you ha- had something that you're just kind of inheriting that is, I mean, was like we were talking about, was sitting in the 40s in terms of the rankings, so The first class for a new head coach is always going to be the toughest because he's, you know, only got half of his guys per se. So I'm more interested, you know, you know, it'd be interesting in the future, 2022 classes like that, 2023, where it's all of Brian Harson's staff and it's all of their guys that they went on on the recruiting trail um, to get. That'll be interesting because right now, you know, a lot of Gus Malzahn guys are still there. So, but kudos to those guys for sticking on board um, and still wanting to come on, Uh, you know, interesting to say the least, you know that they they decided they decided that the new staff was heading in the right direction. I guess those conversations went pretty well, um, but obviously you can't blame again. Can't blame the guys um, who wanted to get out. You commit to a head coach, you commit to a position coach, and now both of them are gone. Um, you know what reason do you have to go there still? So keep it locked at AuburnUndercover.com on Wednesday. Keith and Jason are just going to be. I mean, those guys. <laughs> on either signing day, early signing day or late signing day. I mean, they're just going crazy all day long. So um, they'll have all your coverage that day. And then we'll do some sort of podcast later in the week, talking about what transpired on Wednesday and and later in the week as well. Maybe we'll have some more commitments um, over the next few days. So appreciate you guys tuning in and listening as always. If you guys like the podcast, please go leave us a five-star review. That's what helps us move up to the top of the charts on the podcasting apps. Um, is the good reviews, five-star reviews. If you did not like the podcast, please message me on Twitter, message me on our message boards at auburnundercover.com. Tell me what you think we should improve for next time. Uh, small note, Spotify is still, I, I guess I'm just gonna have to start over and, and try to figure this thing out another way because it's still not posting on Spotify and I'm really not getting a lot of help in that regard from, uh, you know, from the housing site that, that puts it on Spotify. So still trying to figure that out. Promise we'll get it resolved eventually. Um, thanks again Beats by Mordecai my buddy you can find him on SoundCloud Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff thanks to him for the intro and outro music and we will see you guys next time have a good week